Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on today's show. It's a Thursday. It's rainy here in Eugene. Uh, it's set, setting up to be a wet Saturday, even though Don Essex says it never rains in Austin Stadium. It just rains around Austin Stadium. Uh, probably, probably what we're going to see on Saturday. Does that impact the football game? Maybe. Maybe a little, but this is football weather. It's November. It's it's the time where the teams that are for real emerge. The teams that aren't, they kind of get exposed. Um, and Oregon's hoping, playing, I believe that they're one of those for real teams. Um, they play an opponent that's coming off a tough loss, 50 to 49 at home to USC. Um, we've talked a little bit about them here on the show this week already. Um We'll spend some more time talking about them. But first, about Oregon, um, let's quickly get guys up to speed. Eric, um, who has been at practice and who has not? Because we should note there's been some names that haven't been seen, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not available on Saturday. Good news from Tuesday to Wednesday where Stephen Jones did return, and I watched him pretty closely. Um ran pretty comfortably from drill to drill, which I know sounds silly to bring up, but with how little we see, that's like an indicator of like, okay, it looks like it's nothing lower body necessarily. And then he went through when they did um, some sled work and looked fine doing that. When they did some combination blocks, which is like a full combo drill or a full contact drill, sorry, I should say, um, with defense, he kind of was just a spectator there. But I would anticipate that seems like a good sign with him. Um, less good sign. We didn't see Taki either day this week. Um, again, who knows? We've had guys miss practices and then play in games. We've had guys practice and then miss games. So it's hard sometimes to read, but that's certainly something to pay attention to, especially with how well Cal runs the football. And then uh, this will not have any bearing most likely on this weekend, but Austin Nova said didn't see him at all on Wednesday. We saw him on Tuesday entering practice, we should say, with pretty significant leg brace on his left side. So um, he also did not get into uniform, uh, at least when we were watching in warmups um, uh, last Saturday in Salt Lake. So something seems to have happened there in kind of a short period of time since we had watched practice last week. So I just, that's something to monitor. I don't think again, it has any bearing on anything this season, but it seems like he might be dealing with an injury of some sort. So that's kind of it. Oregon remains, Pretty healthy. Um, this goes into a game where Cal seems to be kind of, I don't know. I don't know if they're like fully healthy as can be. They've had, they've had some injuries. You know, the big one is Jackson Sermon at linebacker, their best player on defense. But Jaden Hot got hurt last week. And I guess, Eric, you saw the press conference. Wilcox says he's expected to play. So, you know, that's probably a huge news for them um, yep. because without Jaden Knott, like the chances of making this game even competitive feels like it's going out the window. Um, I'm, 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 let's, let's start here and maybe Jared can answer first. Just what's our curiosity mm -hmm. of just this offense? Because Dan's talked it up. He's not made it out to be like the Chip Kelly of the 2010 version of the Oregon Ducks, but like, They've talked a lot about how like they're the fastest tempo. They're, you know, they've they've got an RPO almost on basically every play. And like, do we buy into that this defense for Oregon is going to get stressed a little bit by this Cal team, or is this just coach speak trying to, you know, generate some kind of attention for your team to, to focus on during the week against a lower level opponent? Yeah, um, I'll answer the, the first part of your question about the, the curiosity. Um, I'm somewhat curious. I've secretly watched a lot of Cal football this year. Um, I don't know why. I, it's just on my television or it's on a, an hour-long like, game recap. It's probably more me scouting against other – not scouting, but looking at other Oregon opponents' uh, film, Connor Stallion style. No sunglasses, though. Um, and I just – I'm just watching Cal and I'm seeing their offense. And um, so I'm mildly curious because I feel like I have a good understanding of what it is. And, and, and like, uh, like we've talked about on Tuesday, it's really RPO heavy. Um, they're, they've done their third or fourth quarterback in Fernando Mendoza this year, um, who's actually played pretty well, I think, as a redshirt freshman. Um, he's been solid. Jay Knott, who we talked about just a little bit right there. 
also has been very, very good for them. Uh, quality running back behind a quality offensive line. So the curiosity might not be there too much for me because I feel like I've seen a lot of them for some some damn reason. But um, in terms of if this is going to give Oregon's defense some fits, yeah, I think it could. Um, it might not, it, but it might give them a lot of fits. I'm not sure because uh, this is a this is a team that just played USC, and as we just saw with Utah, uh, any team looks good against USC and. They, you know, Utah put up 35 points against USC and then put up six against Oregon and had half as many yards. Um, Cal, oh boy. Uh, I mean, they dominated USC at, at points during that first half, especially. Um, second half, USC's defense performed better, but, you know, Jaden Knott in the first half was like nine carries for like 184 yards and two touchdowns. He had two 50 yard plus touchdown runs. Uh, in the first half, almost on, I think it was on back-to-back possessions for Cal too. So you have those NCAA 14 video game numbers in the first half, but he gets uh, injured in the second half. Uh, like we said, is expected to play against Oregon. So their offense kind of kind of struggles after that. Um, Mendoza is forced to uh, do some things with his legs, which he was able to do, which Dan talked about. He was able to do, he had to do things with his arm as well, um, which it was hit and miss with. So I think if you're Oregon, the way to prevent any issues from arising is to stop the run game. And they did a very good job of that last year against Cal. I think this year's offensive line is better than last year's Cal offensive line. Absolutely. I'm not saying that they're the second coming of Christ or anything like that, but they're they're a solid offensive line. And that's why Jaden Nod is, is doing as well as he is because of his offensive line. Um, when you don't have a good one, you can't do anything as a running back. And this year they have a good one. So... Oregon needs to uh, establish a dominant run defense if they want none of those issues to arise in the course of the game on Saturday. But uh, I think at least it will be a fun offense to watch. It's certainly not going to be Cal of old where it's just really fun on one end defense, which for a lot of people isn't fun. And uh, something that makes you want to turn or change the TV channel, even if you're sitting in the sands in Austin on the other side of the get of the ball. So uh, at least it'll be fun over there, but I think Oregon's defense should be just fine. What I've kind of been thinking about this week a little bit is the one team that really used RPO successfully against Oregon's defense was Tech. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in terms of, I just think Tyler Shuck's ability to read that, and Mendoza's a much younger quarterback who is far less experienced with those reads, but that's that's the concern is is I just remember Jared and I in particular having a conversation about the linebackers for Oregon, how it felt like they were a step slow and the conversation kind of evolved into, well, that's what RPOs do. It, it puts that pressure yeah. on that second level in particular to have to react quickly. And if you're not able to react as quickly as even if you're just a tenth of a second late in reacting, that can be the difference between like a short gain and a first down. So that's sort mm-hmm. of where my head is at this week a little bit is. Tech has been one of the two offenses this year that's really given Oregon a bit of trouble. And um, I should have done research and have like who's run the most RPOs against Oregon in front of me. I don't know if PFF tracks that are where I could find that data, but I'm sure it exists somewhere on the internet. Um, I, I would imagine Tech has been the team that's utilized that probably the most, or at least with the most success that I recall. So I, I'm curious to see how Oregon plays. And it's also notable, like the personnel for Oregon is, is going to be different than it was against Tech in terms of just the rotations of who's on the field, especially at linebacker. Because at that point in the year, we saw heavy Bryce Fetcher. We were seeing, obviously, Jamal and Jeff. But now you've got Justin Jacobs. We're seeing less of Bryce. So I, I think that part maybe doesn't matter quite as much as I'll make it out to be. But just the one offense that I remember killing Oregon a little bit with RPOs was Tech early on in the season, and that was something we talked about then. And it really hasn't, from my recollection, been something we've we've seen Oregon struggle with very much since. But that's something that's just in the back of my head this week, knowing that that Cal will probably run more than than any team we've seen since. Mm-hmm. Um, I shift gears here. I'm kind of curious too of just kind of like, is there going to be a hangover effect with Oregon? Because I think there was a little bit of one against Washington State the, the week after Washington. They didn't necessarily play their best football. I know they they won that game by 14, and they were going to cover until like a two-minute touchdown or whatever by Washington State. But it, it didn't start off like Oregon just went right down the football field and scored, and defense played tremendous. And all of a sudden, you know, midway through the second quarter, you're like, yeah, this game's over. Like it felt like 
by the end of the score. Um, they trailed at the end of the first quarter, I think, in that in that game. Um, another emotional game. I mean, you could you could tell this Utah game meant a lot to Oregon, meant a lot to the coaching staff in particular. Of you know the the cinematic recap, which was by far phenomenal. You know, Dan talked about like a lot of people would misunderstand who Oregon is on that video, and they wanted to show everyone against a really good opponent who they were. And to go from Utah to then Cal um, is a is a drop. And we are talking about college athletes. You know, they're human. They're, there's going to be different emotions in this game. Um, and then you know, I go back to Autzen. You know, it comes after a loss. Coming after a win is different. But the crowd, too, at Austin wasn't as juiced as it has been against that Washington State team. Um, I don't think there's going to be a hangover, but I'm just curious just kind of what the, the, the mindset or, you know, the focus that this team has against, you know, whether they like it or not, a, a weaker opponent, a, you know, a, an inferior opponent. Like this is a team that if Oregon's a playoff caliber team, end it quick have it be over at halftime yep and do we do we see that mentality from Oregon I, I I don't know I think we do but it's they're human and I'm curious to see what happens here it does have the sort of some of the attributes you'd see for possibly a hangover game just in terms of what just happened the way Cal's plus you got USC next week I was gonna say got that you got the weather part which I don't know how much that impacts anything, but it's a little gloomy out. You know, maybe maybe people have a little bit of a, you know, they're impacted by the fact that it's no, no longer sunny. They're probably playing in rain. I don't know. Just kind of throwing other things that could psychologically impact it. But, yeah, I think that's an important place to start kind of talking about this game because if Oregon plays the way it did against Utah and it's just at a breakneck pace to start, goes from 0 to 100 immediately and just takes it right down the field and scores – three of its first four drives like it did against Utah, this game's over by the middle of the second quarter, I think. Because as much as we want to give credit to Cal's offense for being improved, I just don't expect that they're going to be able to hang around if Oregon's playing its offensive, like its best football. But your point is not inaccurate that there have been two games this year where they just really started slow. It was Washington State, it was Stanford, where they just didn't get off to great starts. Both those games were comfortable wins because this team is really, really good. But I do think there's a point of like, could this be another game where they don't have separation in the first quarter? And if that if that's the case, that's how Cal is making this game at least, I don't think competitive, but sort of more interesting into the second half. Because you see a line like what it is for this game. Obviously, the expectation is Oregon's going to win in a blowout. The only way, in my mind, this game isn't that is if Oregon, yeah, doesn't come out and play as sharp of football as we just saw against Utah and Salt Lake, and it's a lot to ask a team to carry that same sort of emotion and momentum into a week again where they're playing a lesser opponent, it's at home, blah, 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 blah. USC is coming to town the next week. This could be a game where you could see that. I'll be curious to see what we find from this team. I'm, I'm confident that obviously they'll they'll get to a point psychologically and emotionally where they're ready to go out and dominate this game because we've seen that every game this year. But is that in the first quarter? I don't know. We'll see. I think that's something to kind of to monitor, especially if you're looking at just how quickly this game gets out of hand. Yeah, I I would be absolutely very surprised if Oregon doesn't just come out guns a blazing like they always do. Um, these these first quarters that we that we talked about the Stanford one and um, the I, I don't know the Washington State one. I mean those those are two games where there was a bunch of opportunities for Oregon to to get points on the board early and uh, a drop here or there, a missed throw here or there are are the are the reasons why they did it. And it's it's tough for me because it's like it's the first quarter, like more or less every first quarter of every single game is usually pretty close. Um, there are certain games where, where one team will get out to a hot start and then it'll be a big blowout. But um, I think that a lot of games this season have been closer than we think in the first quarter. Um, but Oregon, yeah, they have had some trouble getting off or off the ground early. And I don't know, I guess this Cal defense, I just don't see it. Um, it might be an it might be a thing where. Oregon and Cal both score in the first quarter and then it ends because I think both both teams are going to go hard on the ground. Um, I think both teams feel like they have uh, a good ground attack, especially you know with Jay Nod if he's healthy. Um, Oregon against Cal's rush defense, I don't think is a great matchup if you're a Golden Bear fan. 
Um, and if you're Oregon, if you're an Oregon fan, this is certainly what I was talking about earlier. It's a, it's a side of the ball that you want to watch to make sure that they force Cal into uh, passing situations like Dan talked about earlier this week. Um, I just, I know that it has like the makings for a letdown game. I just don't see it. I like, I think it'll be a, a typical Otson in the rain day. Um, and I think that's something that Oregon kind of every year, if they had get the opportunity to play in the rain, kind of want to go out there and prove that, yeah, I know we could play in the rain and you guys can't. That's right. We're from, we're from Oregon. We can do this in the rain. And uh, I think that might be an opportunity to do that on Saturday. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. This is why the games are played, as I always say. But um, I, I would just be shocked. I think Dan is not going to let this team come out flat like that. I think the weather impacts more of the point total than like Oregon being able to cover or not cover. Like I, the line's 24 and a half right now. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident whether it's downpouring rain or sunny, Oregon's going to win this game by 24 or more points. Um, I don't feel confident in if it's downpouring rain that there could be 60 total points just because I don't know if Oregon's going to score like 50 in this game with it's pouring rain. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, I'm with you guys. Like I, 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 br- I brought up the hangover fact just like as, as a talking point because I, but I do agree. Like I do think they come out and we see good football. Um, this team really in Dan's two years has had like one slow start at home or two. The Washington game was a really defensive slugfest in the first half um, until the third quarter when they scored like a combined 40 points or whatever it was. The the Utah game was was also, but I, that was just a really competitive that was injuries. Game. I'm not going to count it. It was a that was a really competitive competitive yeah. game, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't your typical Oregon scores 14 first quarter points yes. or whatever. Um, but they've really really only had one game this year where or this in Dan's time where they just haven't played well, um, and at the start at home. So I'm banking on that as a as a huge factor here. Um. Real quick, I'm gonna like pull an audible. Do we want to like address the Big 12 2024 schedule that's getting leaked out right now? Have you guys seen this? Um, Brett Big McMurphy 10. has, yeah, Big Ten. Sorry, he uh, he has dates of when Oregon's playing some games. Um, Oregon at UCLA 9:28. Um, Ohio State at Oregon uh, October 12th. Oregon at Michigan, November 2nd. Oregon at Wisconsin. This is the big one. November 16th. And then uh, Oregon versus Washington in Austin, November 30th, rivalry weekend. Mm. Quick, a lot of fun stuff. Quick thoughts there? Uh, so I, I imagine the way you read that out, Oregon has a bye before Ohio State at home. Uh, I mean, I don't know. He 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 hasn't given out um all the all the the games. Okay, it's just all the games are number coming out later. Okay, yes. so I'm surprised um, to see Brett got his hands on this. Oh well, Brett always gets his hands on all the stuff there. Um, no, I I the reason I asked is like that would be advantageous for Oregon to have a bye week before playing Ohio State if that's the case. Yes. Uh, it was my first. Mm-hmm. The, the, obviously, uh, sounds like the Big Ten debut will be against UCLA, which is kind of funny because it's a Pac-12 team. Not a Big Ten team. <laughs> but but if, 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 if Ohio State is Oregon's first Big Ten, like historical Big Ten opponent in Big Ten play, that's kind of a cool way to get that started. And then to your point, yeah, that is – Wisconsin in mid-November was the thing I think we were, we've been talking about not wanting to see just because now you're yeah. playing in like real Midwest November weather and that's going to be challenging. But it's going to be – that would make it for a real fun – Full Big Ten experience right off the bat. You got to go to Madison and, and play when the weather is not your favorite, and we'll see what how else, that Oregon plays out. But what be else do cool. you want, though? That's it. That's that's the the perks of going to the Big Ten. These uh, well, I'm, cold, for, nice for, winter weather environments for sure. For, for us, it'll be exciting. I'm saying if you're the Oregon fan or the or yeah, the, you know the the Oregon individual going to that game, that's that's not probably what you were hoping for necessarily. But it's going to be an awesome football environment, clearly. 
Well, that's why you go to uh, UCLA at the end of September and go uh, have some fun down at the beach. And uh, hit up Manhattan Beach, hit up a couple restaurants down there and have a good time. Um, and then don't travel to Wisconsin in the middle yes. of November. Also, uh, Oregon at soon-to-be Harbaugh-less Michigan. Um, that'll be a fun one. First week in November. Uh, Are you breaking some news Matt, here? Harbaugh getting fired? I just <laughs> we're going off a weird tangent now. They're, just, they're talking I, extension I, over there. They're talking about extending him. So yeah, I just uh, I don't anticipate it him being anywhere other than the NFL next year. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I think it'll be. I mean, I'm I'm excited for that game. Um, for sure. I, probably one of the top six venues in college football to go to. Um, the big houses. So excited. Um, but it looks like. I mean, we'll have to see the the rest of the schedule because Brett didn't announce all of it. Um, I'm I'm interested to see when Oregon's bye weeks are going to be because, like Eric said, if it's a, before the Ohio State game or if it's late in the year, if they get like a late bye before uh, Washington game, like those could be rather helpful down the road. Um, yeah. So I think that'll be fun. Um, honestly, Matt, my first thoughts uh, when you talked about it were, well, there's something to write today. So expect that later on duckterritory.com around like 1 p.m. Because I think they released the full thing at 1. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll dive into some bold picks uh, and predictions for this weekend's game. Welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. Uh, updating the leaderboard. Um, I went 0 for 4, so no movement for me. Jared went 1 for 3, and Eric also went 1 for 3. And we uh, all hit the uh, game predictions straight up and also against the spread. Um, the standings don't really change much. Everyone's kind of in the same spots, nonetheless. Uh, all right, offensive team prediction. Uh, I went back and looked at the box score in the game last year against Cal on the road, and um, Oregon went for 174 on the ground, and I just feel like this year's unit is better at running the football. I think Bucky's better than what he was last season, which is pretty remarkable to say. Um, I think Jordan James is a better player than what he was last year, and even though Bo's not – running the football as much, even though Noah Whittington is hurt. I just, even though there's a new offensive line from last season, uh, I just trust the offense, you know, rushing attack more this year than I did last year. Not that I didn't last year, but they're just better. So I'm going 175 or more on the ground for Oregon against a Cal defense. That's not been really good the last couple of weeks against the run. I This is hard because I, Matt almost talked me out of making my prediction over 50 points, but I'm just going to do that because um, I was going to do 250 yards on the ground, which 175, Matt, they average like 230. Oregon does. Fine. I'll make it, uh, I'll make it 195. Does that make it better Good. for you? Yes, I'll accept that. Thank you. I just was bartering. Um, no, I, I, uh, I, the, the stat I wanted to share with the 50, with, and which is why I'll just do it, because these are bold predictions and why not. Um, the three good teams, like the three best teams Cal have played this year have all scored over 50 points. Washington, Oregon State, and USC. Uh, Oregon is certainly on those schools' class. I think they're playing better than all three of them right now. Um, this Cal defense is not good. Part of why I pushed Matt to increase that rush total, because I'm like, I don't know if Cal's run defense is any good. Um, Utah had 315 yards against them a couple weeks ago. I I think uh, it's the weather makes me hesitate, which is part of the reason I went back and forth here. Mm -hmm. But I'll, I'll just stick with the guns here because it's a fun stat. Oregon becomes the fourth team to score 50 this year, joining the other good offenses that the Golden Bears have played. I think it's very fair to have pause there and the total points scored because of the weather. Um, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Offensive team prediction. Uh, the offense goes for over 541 yards. Now, I am not saying that because that's the area code of the Eugene uh, oh. Springfield. I don't honestly really know Springfield. Are they 541? 
Yes. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm almost okay. There's some. There's some that are different, but yeah. Mostly, I think yes. there's a nine seven one, but or nine five oh, one or something like that. Good. It's nine it's, five one. Right. That, that's like newer numbers. I think they ran yes. out of five four ones. Is my understanding. I don't know. <laughs> it's too many. Anyway, there's an infinity amount gonna... of numbers. I mean, how can you run out? Well, that's Maybe. what I'm saying. I don't. Know. I'm a four one three guy. Anyway, so. Oregon goes for over 541 yards. Why do I say this? Well, because their last two highest outputs in the yardage department against Pac-12 teams were 541 yards each, one against Washington, one against Washington State. So I'm just saying they go over it. Um, I think that's a pretty damn good day at the office if Oregon is able to do that. That will probably come with a couple touchdowns in there, uh, hopefully enough to hit the 50-point thing for Eric. Um, but, again, this kind of goes to last year's Cal – Last year's Cal team had a significantly better defense than this year. And it wasn't even that great last year, but it was a lot better than it was this year. So I just think Oregon's going to have a great day. Um, I think their offense, their rushing offense is going to be, I don't know, man. They might they might sneak up on that 300 number, I fear. But um, I think regardless, I, I think they'll finish with over 541 yards on uh, total offense. All right. That is Offensive. less than what they did last year. You know that. I'm not challenging it at all. No, 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 no. I think it's a bold pick, but that's like their defense is worse and it's less than yards than they did last year against them. Right. I just figured the the five four one. I've always been fascinated that the last two games have or the last two highest offensive totals have both ended at 541 yards. It's very strange. It's also, very strange. Also, the the area code for Eugene and apparently Springfield. Um, I just thought I'd throw that one out there because it's a fun little, neat little fact that I can randomly put out here. Um, okay. Offensive player predictions. Um, I think Jordan James and Bucky Irving are both going to have over 135 yards on the ground. Uh, this goes back to my idea of, um, it's hot. Wow. This is a poor, this is a poor Cal defense. Um, Bucky and Jordan have already gone for over a hundred yards in a game before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember which one I probably should have before I said this, but it was Washington uh, state. Thank you. My brain lapsed uh, or yeah, no Oregon had a great day on the ground against Washington state. Um, and this Cal defense is even worse statistically, you know, we'll, we'll see when the game comes around, but I like Oregon's offensive line and their schematics and their, um, outside blocking to help Jordan James and Bucky Irving get to over 135 yards each because I think a lot of the damage is going to be done on the ground and if it's raining, even more likely. So I'll take that. That's a hot one. I like that. That that's Thank you. that's putting I pressure. Um, this is a weird one, um, but it's just kind of a niche pick because I just talked about not getting any production. I'm going Gary Bryant catches his first touchdown. Oh, man. Since the opener. And the only reason I bring that up, he hasn't had a catch since the bye week. Um, he has one touch since, and that was that 15-yard uh, end around against, I think that was Washington State in like their, one of their first plays of the game. Um, don't think Cal's defense is great. I think they want to take away Oregon's strength as best they can. I don't know how much – I mean, we'll see what the weather actually does in terms of throwing the football. I, I would imagine Bo's still able to throw a pretty good ball. I think Bo's proven in past games that he can throw in, in different sorts of weather. Um, but just kind of going with, again, a bit of a niche pick here. We talked about earlier in the week the lack of production from that particular p- player in that particular position most recently. And I think this is a game where there's a bit of a get right, gets in the end zone. He hasn't, again, he's been pretty quiet recently. I think that that changes this week. All right. Uh, player prediction for me. Um, <clears throat> I went back and looked at also how Bo Nix performed against Cal. And he had like a really weird box score. Like if you didn't watch the game um, and you just looked at the box score, you'd be like, wow, that's incredibly weird because he had two picks. He completed 77.1% of his throws though. So basically, like he either completed a pass to him, to his teammates or threw an interception, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also threw for like four hundred and like fifteen yards and like three or four touchdowns in that game. Um, just kind of weird all over the place for what Bonex's career has been at Oregon. Um, but I think he's gonna be better than that. Um, I'm not gonna say he's gonna throw for four twelve uh, in this game, but. 
I feel like I'm not cheating because this is such a ridiculous percentage point to hit. Okay. But I'm saying he's going to hit 77.2% or better of his passes. Like, I know that's technically worse than what he does on a season average, but that's such a hard number to hit in general. It's a, that's it's, ridiculous. It's it's absolutely ridiculous, and I I like that. That that's a high standard, Matt. I I respect that number. I'm not going to push back at all. That's a that's a tough <laughs> one. But he's been so. Then, good. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he hits it because he's been so yeah. good. Well, and then to make it harder on myself, he's not going to throw an interception. So he could throw. He could complete eighty percent of his passes and, and throw a pick, and it's over. Yeah. yeah. Jerry, I'm getting some feedback from Jerry. That he doesn't. Like you that. are. Yeah. So we're. <laughs> We're predicting him to do worse than what he's done every single game this year. But that's because it's such a crazy – I mean, he's, like, going to set an NCAA record. Like, that's insane. Why not just say 80%? Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be even crazier. But that's better than what he's literally done every single game this year. No. Uh, it's not. He's not, it's, he's it, not it, done it every single game. He's been over seventy-two point seven percent every game this year. I think yes. is what yeah. it is. But no, but still, his season—I mean, his season, season average is seventy-eight point two. So yeah, just ludicrous. Fine, I'll make it seventy-eight point three. <laughs> there you go. We got it. There we go. An extra percentage. Let's do it. By, by the way, just a slight aside on his completion percentage. I was in the press box with a reporter from mm. Utah. And he, we were talking before the game about Bo. And oh yeah, I remember he, this. And he would. I and he was. I was like, do you know what his completion percentage with? And he like jokingly goes 80. And I'm like, basically, like 78 and a half. And he lost his mind. He was like, wow. And as we saw that day, he basically reached that benchmark. I think it's more incredible that he's not the leader by like seven percentage points. He's the leader by like less than 1%. I think JJ McCarthy is like 78.1 or something like that. He's right there. It's crazy. Quarterback plays just changing. Uh, team prediction now defensively for me. I think I said on the podcast two sacks, and I wrote down on the bold prediction three. So I gave mm. myself zero points on that one. Oh, um, not very happy about that because I forgot to make the change because um, I had two. They didn't have three. Uh, hmm. Oregon had two sacks against Cal last year. Uh, DJ Johnson, the god, had both of them. Um this defense is way better than they were last year, especially at, at generating pressure. So um, I'm going to give myself a mulligan, and I have put it in, and I'm not changing this one because I've changed the other two already, damn it. Uh, yeah. Two or more sacks in this game for Oregon's defense. I'll let you have it. Yeah, we've. I think we, we probably only get two forced mulligans on Matt predictions a week. Maybe I get one and Jared gets one. We've already used ours. Um, all right. That doesn't mean individual defense. You're going to pick like a guy gets one tackle or something. <laughs> um, team defense, yeah. Where's I, Bo Nix? <laughs> well, that, would be, that would be a wild <laughs> one. Bo Nix has four tackles or something. That, that would be really bold. Um, no, I, the one I hit last week was two defensive uh, t- turnovers or two takeaways. I, I think we'll get that again. Um, Cal has turned it over a lot. They gave it away four times last week. Um in all of his starts, which is just two, Mendoza's thrown an interception. So I think this week, with the weather the way it might be, I hate to keep bringing that up, but I can't stop thinking of Jared Goff's uh, debut at Hudson Stadium back in, that was a year in that, 15, something like that, Matt, some, somewhere in that range. Um, was, it early, was it earlier? Was it 13? I think it I, was 2013. Yeah, whatever it was, he uh, – he could not hold on to the football. I don't expect the weather to be quite that bad, but young quarterback going into a hostile environment where weather may be an impact, I think there's going to be turnovers. So give me two or more. Uh, Mendoza did say he's from Miami and, and that he regularly played in, in wet conditions down there with uh, the way it is, but I think he's going to be surprised by the caliber of opponent more than he is by what the weather is like. So I'll get two or more turnovers for this uh, Oregon defense. Um. Just a quick check. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay. Great. My Chrome is not doing well. My computer's not doing well, man. It's it's it feels like it's on its last days, which is very disappointing. Um, anyways, defensive team predictions here. Um this one's not gonna hit. I just know it, but I'm gonna put it out there because it's a bold prediction. That's what this show is about. Um, I think Oregon's gonna hold 
Cal to the second fewest yards on the ground that they have all season, which would have to be uh, under 113 yards. So I don't think it's going to hit. Uh, the lowest on the t- uh, lowest on the season against Cal this year is 66 yards, and that was Utah two weeks ago or whenever they played. Um, yeah. I think Oregon's rush defense did a very good job against Utah, um, stopping their making them uh, you know play left-handed, where they stopped the run. They had to force Bryson Barnes to beat them with his arm. Um, not that there's anything wrong with left-handed people out there. Don't get me wrong. As a pseudo lefty person, I take great pride in it, but. I think Oregon's going to have that same mentality this week. Um, it's going to be more difficult with the RPOs, and it's going to be more difficult because Mendoza like uses his legs more than Bryson Barnes did. But um, that's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, bold predictions is uh, allegedly what we do here. So there it is, second fewest rushing yards of the season for Cal. And moving right along, defensive player prediction. Um I feel like this one might just be my one for the rest of the year. I just think Evan Williams is going to get 10 tackles or more. Okay. And uh, I just think he's got a nose around the ball. Um, every time I think about doing an Evan Williams prediction, I always sway away from it. Um, he's playing really damn good football right now, probably the best football of his career. Um, I didn't, Frankly, I didn't watch that much Fresno State, so maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I think he's playing awesome for Oregon right now. And uh, I expect him to be around the ball a lot in this game. Um, he's excellent in the rush defense and around the ball at all times. So I got Evan Williams over nine and a half tackles. So if he gets 10, I win. I feel like we should count bone crushing, decleating hits as two tackles for you. Because he's had a couple of those recently where it's just like. I'm going to hit 10 easy then. Oof, I know, because he's just had several he's got each like game. two or three a game. Yeah. This last week in Utah, that punt return. Oh, my gosh. That was one in the yeah. press box where everybody was like, ooh. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I like that. I was actually leaning one or two players for my prediction. Uh, Evan was one of them, so I'll just go with the other. Um, Kyrie Jackson gets a pick. He hasn't had one since uh, the end of non-conference oh, play. Yeah. He had two straight um, against Tech and then against Hawaii. I think this is a game where, again, there's going to be, I think, some balls in the air that are going to be capable of being picked. And I think I think Kyrie makes a play on one. So I'll, I'll go with Kyrie getting an interception. By the way, um, that was really interesting, his, not, not to do too much on this. like This is a guy who we didn't really know much about his backstory, but he, according to, not, not allegedly, he told us on Tuesday of this week that he, like, momentarily quit playing football right after high school when he had um, went to a junior college and just didn't really feel like he wanted to keep playing and then kind of got talked back into it. And now here he is with, I think, pretty clearly an NFL future. So kind of a cool story um, that hopefully we're able to flesh out more in the coming weeks. But um, wanted to add that little nugget here after making that prediction. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, He wanted to be a gamer, which was yeah, but to play 2K professionally, he said. Yeah. Um, very cool oh, to, to hear that. <laughs> um, all right. My defensive prediction, it's kind of taking Jared's parlay idea from, from last week. Um, Jeffrey Bossa and Evan Williams, I'm not going to say they're going to be one and two in tackles. I'm not going to say that they have X number of tackles each, uh, but they're going to both be in the top four um, for Oregon in total tackles this week against California. And before you call me on it, there's already been games where they've not <laughs> been both in the top four. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Matt. Take it. We already got, we've run through our mulligans, so you can have this one. All right. Um, score prediction. I, I was going to feel really bad if Eric had changed his pick based off what I said because – I threw out that I don't know if Oregon's going to score 50 points, but I have them scoring over 50 points. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, I just think that Cal's defense absolutely blows, and Oregon's going to come out, and they're going to be pretty motivated to put up. I don't – Dan's got that dog in him, and if he's got an opportunity to put up a, whoa, look at that type game, he's going to do it. And he's not going to run up the score, but I, I think you know they've got a Heisman candidate in Bonix. They're they're clearly uh, aware of the perception of what people think outside the team. You know, outside the team of, of what they think of them. Um, I think this is going to be a statement win, and 
Oregon's going to score 56 points in this football game. It, I don't think Bo plays in the fourth quarter. Um, it's going to be one of the more complete games again by the Ducks. And Cal tacks on a couple late scores to make it 56-13. We're going to get some some points in this one. Um, I'm taking the over, and I, I think this is going to be one of the, the better games by Oregon this season. I will spend a little longer on mine since it looks like Jared has. Yeah, I just noticed Jared just disappeared. Yeah, he had his computer may issues. have died. Yeah, his computer might have been um, in peril. Uh, once again, our scores are extremely close. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, being around this team, and then the cool part is, and just a second on the cinematic recap, how cool was it to hear the headset audio? Like, Very. I, thought, I thought that was awesome. Um, my mom actually watched it and was like, it reminded me of, hey, Jared's back. Hey. Her, oh, God. Oh. Her, her comment is that the, uh, I was filibustering while you got your internet back. Uh, her comment about the cinematic recap with the, the headset audio is it reminded her of like fighter pilots talking to each other. Yeah. And it had that sort of like military vibe to it. And I agreed. I thought that was really cool. But one of the things you see through that is just the way Dan motivates his team and pushes the buttons and how on the sideline, like it's not, there's never a moment of, like, hey, we've arrived. Like, no, it is. Keep going. Keep the pedal down. Let's go. Let's go. So to Matt's point, that's why I, I think Oregon will keep its foot on the gas. And I just don't think Cal defensively is able to keep up. And I think I think offensively Cal will do some things early, but I think Oregon's going to overwhelm them. So I've got Oregon 51, Cal 13. So, again, very similar to Matt on that score. Um we, Matt and I, we talked about this when we were down in Salt Lake. What did we determine the number of touchdowns Oregon has allowed at home to be? It was like 14. Or? 14 or 15. It's 14. At, at home? At home. How many they've allowed? I think it's, oh, wait. Yeah, that's that's uh, the season total. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, think it, I think it's four or five. I think it's like, yeah, I can look it up real quick. Because it would have been Portland State, Hawaii, Colorado, and then – Two, two against Wazoo. Two against Wazoo, so it's five. I just don't expect a lot of offenses, except for the one coming next week, and then maybe the one at the very end to do more to, to score more than once or twice in a game against Oregon. So I I think Cal gets in there once. I think they kick a couple field five. goals. And I think mm -hmm. Oregon wins 51-13, and it's another convincing one where you come out saying, like, yep, expect people to be saying a lot of nice things about Oregon this week again because they just did their, did their job, took care of business, and they got out of town with a, with a really impressive win again. Oregon has a chance to potentially beat the brakes off a team that scored 49 against USC. USC I think they might the right game for a lot of people. Yeah, I think they might want to do that, um, mostly to prove the inept of USC defense and Alex Grinch and his inability to field a good one. And I, I just think Oregon's going to do it. Um, like Eric said, they might, Cal might do well at the beginning of the game, um, might get a quick score in the first quarter, kind of have everybody on edge and, and not some stadium. But um, that's always kind of, it's not always what happens, but it happens a lot. It's the first quarter of a game. It's That's why you play the rest of the game. You know, it's a like basketball is a game of runs. I wouldn't say college football is a game of runs, but uh, you can certainly get on one when you're Oregon's offense. And well, it, while I expect it to click right off the bat because of how good they've been at home this year, um, I think Oregon's defense is going to click at one point. Um, they've done a great job this season of making adjustments, especially in the, going into the second half. You know, uh, Washington State was really good in the first half against Oregon and the second half until that final touchdown score when all the second, secondary players were on the field for Oregon's defense. Um, they had a hard time moving the ball. And or, and they had Oregon's pass rush was right in, right in, right up in there. So I think it might might be close early, but I think Oregon's going to pull away. I've got them winning 48-20. to 20. I don't have them going over the 50-point threshold it would not surprise me in the least if they did, mostly because I think they want to prove again that they're legit. Um, people have seen Washington kind of stumble over these types of opponents the last two weeks following the win against Oregon. Uh, Oregon wants to prove that you know, they beat Washington State like very fine. It wasn't a 30 to 40 point blowout, but it certainly wasn't close. And the score may look kind of close, but it still really wasn't. 
Um, and they want to make sure that everybody knows that they're going to beat the snot out of the lower level teams because that's what great teams do. And uh, they have a chance to do that this weekend right before USC. Um, I think they want to get everything moving on offense. So uh, I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if Bonex stays in for 85, 90% of the game. Maybe get some stat padding. Uh, maybe just run up the score a little bit. Not run up the score and be mean to Josh Wilcox or uh, like on purpose, but um, maybe be mean to Coach Wilcox on purpose because that was uh, the people that some Oregon alumni wanted to oh. hire over Dan Lanning. So Ooh. we haven't brought that up th- once during this podcast. But and I know Dan respects Wilcox, Coach Wilcox, and everything. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was a little bit of a motivation to go make his. Wilcox's defense look uh, a little poor this Saturday. I had, I had like, sorry, Matt, I just hadn't thought of that. That's a kind of a sneaky good Dan wants to prove something factor that is good to bring up late in the show, I think. I think I Dan's all, like, already, already proven. Yeah, yeah, he's already proven it. He's already done that. Um, I just think it's going to be one of those games where it's just always in the back of his mind, like sure. for, for Dan, like, um, I don't know. It's like Khalil Mack against the Bears. Sure. He's been on multiple different teams since, but uh, it's always it's always going to be up there that this is what this is what the people wanted to hire. I don't think that. I personally don't think that there's that much of a storyline with Dan for that because a that letter was sent like day one or day two after Mario had left when it wasn't clear that any head coach had kind of became the focus for Rob Mullins. And it was just a collection of some of the best players from this program saying like, Hey, we don't know where you're going, but we want you to look at this. We think this is the guy. And then basically when Dan was hired, they all basically were like, Oh yeah, this is a good hire. We like him. He's cool. Like, and what are they going to say? Yeah. You could argue like, well, what are they going to say? Are they going to come out here and say that? But like, I just think it was just an incredibly terrible timing that that letter got leaked like a day before Lanning got hired when that letter was old. It wasn't sent at that point in time. Um, I do think, though, to Jared's point, that this is a game where we will see padding of stats. You only have X number of games available before the Heisman Trophy gets ballots are turned in. And – Dan has been very clear. He believes Bo Nix is the best quarterback, the best player in college football. And we might see if it's a four-score lead in the late in the second quarter. We might see a double pass back to Bo Nix to catch a touchdown like we did last season. Kind of throw out some kind of like funky score by Nix or, you know, we, we might see them, you know, games over in the third quarter and yet – you know, we might see Bo stay, stay out there to maybe to get over the 350 or the 400 yard passing threshold to, to you know to boast that number because I do believe while Dan says he doesn't he's not a big stack guy like he's aware and I think if they can take an opportunity to enhance the team's individual players' chances of awards they'll they'll, they'll take that if if in the means of the sport they're not like Jersey they're not going to run it up and be. And a straight up asshole, but if, if that's going to be there, they're going to take it. Um, Jared, do you have your? I don't know what you've titled your prediction, but do you have your extra one? Oh, my wacky, wavy, inflatable, arm flailing tube man prediction. Is that oh, that's the only said? one I could come up with? Um, that's where we've settled. Yeah, and someone in the comments section said to keep it, and I said, "All right, that means less work for me trying to figure out a new name." So perfect. I'm into it. Um, I actually didn't have one this week because I didn't think eh, I just didn't think it would be a, a, a game worthwhile of, of doing one of those predictions. Um, I could quickly think up of one, like uh, I, I have this. one. Oh, okay, go ahead. I was going to say I have I've one. Got, uh, me, but go ahead. Six different players score touchdowns. Ooh, yeah. I like that. That's a fun one, yeah. including including Gary Bryant Jr. I assume, right? I mean, that has to be one of those. Whatever six man could be Camden Lewis. I for oh, all I care, as wow. long as the bet hits. Yeah. <laughs> is Oregon is gonna run the Oregon State end of half play and Camden's gonna run it in from twenty five yards. 
Just saying. That would be that would be cool. Um, mine was actually going to be Oregon scores its second defensive touchdown of the season. Um, mm. Just because I, 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 I just think this game's going to get wild enough where there's some there's some defensive plays that are made that kind of flip the game a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie if it's a pick six or somebody has a fumble yeah. recovery for a touchdown, something like that. We've we've only seen the one, and obviously are, it was a big one, but that's the only one we've seen. But what are we more confident in, six touchdowns or a defense slash special teams touchdown? Well, one is easier than the other. Yeah, I would say six. Well, six. I would say a pick six is much easier than the six different humans scoring a touchdown. Just, but because yeah. you know, you just so need hard one though. play to happen for defense. Yeah, but a you got to score six touchdowns, and b they got to go to six different people, which Oregon does have six people on the field, but um, usually doesn't doesn't go to that many other people other than like four. So. Got to get some wild cards in there. Um, I don't know. I, I actually probably feel better about the defensive score more than mine, but you know, we we do this for fun here. We do, and a Camden Lewis touchdown would be honestly the best. Oh, that was one. just just a random I, name. I, I know. I, I, I know. It's put a out joke. like Caden uh, Ludwig gets in. <laughs> he hasn't zone. played. He doesn't even dress. Um, but the yeah, reason Cam yeah. Cam would be fun was be to me would be because. Um, he is cl- actually inching closer and closer to the all-time points scored record. And if he actually scored a touchdown, he would be basically on the doorstep going into USC. I think he's 20 points short right now with four left in the regular season and, and up to two, maybe three games after that. So he's going to get there, but it would be kind of fun. if It would actually be hilarious if somehow he broke the record on a touchdown just because of how unlikely the odds are that Camden Lewis would ever find an end zone um, in any situation. So. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Next time you hear from us, it'll be same setups, uh, post-game edition, Oregon, California, Saturday night. Until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.